Good morning, church. As Sue said, my name is Jess, and we'll be doing two Bible readings today. So the first one is Psalm 121, verses 1 to 8, and can be, it'll come up on the screen behind me. There we go. So Psalm 121, starting at verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. And then the second Bible reading is Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Good morning again. Great to be here on the last Sunday of 2020. As Sue said, we're going to start a few weeks now just in the Psalms before we hit our biggest challenge question um, for January 10, sorry, January 17 to the end of the month. And Stephen George and Scott Westwood will be here from Trinity Church Mobbury and Paraka on some of those Sundays too, opening up God's Word for us, exploring the ideas of uh, COVID and the environment suffering and also there's not enough love and respect in the world. So we're going to look at that in January, but for today, for three weeks, we get to look at the Psalms. And I do wonder today, uh, have you ever made a New Year's resolution? Every year growing up, my family would head up to Houghton, to a property up there with some friends, and we had a lovely view of Adelaide and, and surrounding suburbs, and New Year's Eve would go up there and we watched the fireworks, and me and my friend would uh, would soon ride our bikes to the top of the property and sit on another big hill and talk about New Year's resolutions and things we wanted to do for that coming year. I was a teenager then, 13, 12, 14, that, that sort of thing. And most of my resolutions then, not a Christian, were about, I want to play video games more, I want to know how to talk to girls, and I want to go skateboarding more. And so we would spend hours talking about very deep things like that on top of this hill every year. And as I got older, though, I stopped making New Year's resolutions, but I did learn the value of goal setting, of determination, and just making resolutions throughout the year in my life. What about you? I'm sure you have similar stories uh, as well. You know, I suspect, though, if I was to go to that same hill in a few days' time, I dare say, if I was to gather all the old people around from those years ago, the conversation would go something like this. I really hope 2021 will save us this year. Have you picked it up in all the social commentary, the memes, the Facebook comments, uh, the news articles? Everyone really, really wants 2021 to be better than 2020. The trouble is, as a few people have picked up wisely, is we don't actually really know 
if 2021 will be any better. Sure, there's lots of hopeful signs. You know, Trump's going to get out the White House, the vaccine's being rolled out, unemployment rate is still at 6.9%. It's getting better. The economy is not as bad as we thought it would be at this time of the year. Lots of anticipation, but still lots of uncertainty, isn't there? And so while we don't know what's going to happen in 2021, I'd love to introduce you this morning to a voice of someone. Not a social or political commentator, not someone you'll see on the news, but one who has travelled the road of life before us, someone who knows the postcode and the address of where the destination's going to get to. And this voice comes to us from Psalm 121. Psalm 121 is a psalm especially designed for the road of life. Maybe you're here today and you don't really know what the goal or destination of life is all about and how God fits into that. Maybe you're feeling lost and helpless on the road of life at the moment. Maybe the road of life and the flashing signs and all the detours and experiences, they're becoming a little bit disappointing, a little bit dissatisfying, maybe. Christian philosopher James Smith says, the road can be a joy as long as we don't make a home out of the car. The road can be a joy as long as we don't make a home out of the car. And as Christians, his point in this is that we're to travel a bit differently on the road of life. And this is where I think Psalm 121 has great wisdom for us today. Follow along in the outline as we walk through this psalm and make some comments along the way. But the beginning of the psalm, as Jess helpfully pointed out in, uh, when she read it for us, tells us something that you may not have picked up before. It's a song of ascents. It is a song of ascent. We didn't just put that in there, but it's actually in, in, the, in the original language. And it's an important piece of information because there are 15 psalms that have this title, Song of Ascent. Psalm 120 all the way to Psalm 134. Is that 15? Yeah, 20, 14. 14, there you go. I never did well at maths. Is it 15 or 14? 15, yeah, there you go. I am good at maths, thank you. I resolve to get better at maths. Tyson, you have to teach me. Tyson's a maths teacher, by the way. Beyond help, yeah. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Now, they named this, they named the Song of Ascents because they're all associated with going up to Jerusalem. You always go up to Jerusalem. One, it's on a hill, but you never go down to Jerusalem. Wherever you are, you always go up. That's just the way we think about it. But as Jewish people, they, they go on a pilgrimage once a year maybe to Jerusalem and these 15 psalms would be sung along the way on their pilgrimage as they ascend to Jerusalem. Tradition even says that women had a role in writing these songs too. They'd also stand on the steps of the temple and often sing them to the people that were coming into Jerusalem, which is really great because we need not presume or assume that the psalms are just written by men there is a female voice we can hear on the road of life as well. You notice David's the author of some uh, as well. Not only that, but these psalms, they cover an extensive range of topics. If you read through them, you'll see there's blessings and peace and worship, faith, protection, trust in God, deliverance from enemies. Fifteen songs designed especially for the road of life, designed as the ancient Spotify playlist, if you like, for God's people to tune into along the way. And Psalm 121 opens with a question. It says, establishing the whole idea of this psalm, where does my help come from? And the writer, he answers his own question very quickly because he says, 
My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then he begins to speak to those around him. Perhaps there's a big group going and someone's at the front here and they're all walking to Jerusalem. And he says, let me tell you three ways that Yahweh God guards his people on the journey of life. The Lord would not let your foot slip. The Lord watches over you and the Lord will keep you from all harm. And so this author, he is writing, he or she is writing to encourage believers to confidently trust in God as they journey, as they send towards Jerusalem. And, and you know, we too, we're not going to Jerusalem today, but we can have the same confidence as we journey on in life towards Jesus, towards a new heaven and earth, which he will create. So, first part, where do we find help? I lift my eyes to the mountains, where does my help come from, he says. Sounds a little bit anxious, doesn't he? But he's not so much asking here, how will the mountains help me? As in, I'm I'm scared, I'm looking to the mountains, mountains help me. He, He looks around them, and he's filled with fear and uncertainty. Mountains are scary places, especially the mountains around Jerusalem, as you can see in the photo. They're wildernesses, they're rocky, they're places of danger, wild animals, robbers, rocks, raiders, especially in that time, would be frequent in them. Even if you went up a casual walk up Anstey's Hill in the next few weeks, there is danger there. You could slip and fall. You could get, see a snake. You could get hit by a kangaroo that runs past you even. You know, it's not the most safest place. I've seen kangaroos. You, you ride your bike up there or run and you see them in the distance and you think, gee, don't come near me. You're quite big and I'm small. In 2019, there was lots of talk, if you remember, about Mount Everest. And it was overpopulated. The climbing season was short. There's a small narrow window. And there was photo after photo of poor souls in a big line. And some of them had fallen off and were just frozen forever to be trapped in this icy tomb. Mountains are tricky things. And the mountains that our author is traveling through, they're not a place of help. They're a place of fear and challenge. And we'll see that come out especially in a few moments. The point is that there are moments in your life But for whatever reason, it may be filled with fear and you look around you for something other than God to help. You look around you full of anxious eyes and a a scared heart and you hear the cry of the psalmist, where does my help come from? All I can see is the mountains of whatever it might be around me. Where does my help come from? Maybe that's you today as you sit here. But you know, if the author was tempted to be anxious It's only momentarily, because he says very quickly, look at verse 2, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. There's a great contrast happening in this verse, isn't there? Instead of looking to the mountains, he just lifts his eyes a bit higher, doesn't he? I'm going to look at the one who made the mountains, and the earth too, by the way. He says, or she says, my help comes from the maker of all that. And once the author's reminded himself of the location, the source, if you will, of the help on the road to life, they now explain, how is the Lord my help? You see, God's power is not like a mountain. It's just arbitrary sitting there existing kind of there. That's God over there. It's a power that's actually for his people, observing his people, watching his people. He is the guardian of his people. And because he's watching, because he's aware, he can respond accordingly to the road of life that you find yourself on. And that's what verse 3 to 8 will show us. How will the Lord help me? So verse 3 and 4, he says, he will not let your foot slip. 
He watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So you have to keep the dangerous mountain picture in your head here. And then this all starts to make sense, right? As you travel the rocky paths of life up this mountain, the Lord will not let your foot slip. Yahweh is his keeper all the way along. Now, the word watch can be understood as keep as well, like watching and keeping. It appears five times in verse 3, 4, 5, 7, and 8. And every time we see that word, it shifts if you're a person who likes grammar between a present and a future to show that God is not just watching once in the past or he'll watch you in the future, but there's this dancing between he is watching me now, he'll watch me in the future, he's watching me now, he's going to watch me in the future. But it's not just watching like God will pull out his phone and film you for his Instagram profile every now and then just because he wants to see what life's like for you. This is not a, a passive watching like you might watch your kids play with Christmas presents or something. God's watching is a guarding watching. It's an eager, sentinel, powerful watching, ready to protect you when your foot slips, as verse 3 says. Watching to help, watching to guard, watching to protect, right? You think of Psalm, uh, Psalm 40, 1 to 5. He's lifted me out of the miry pit, set my feet upon a rock. Or Psalm 119, 105, that famous verse. Um, the, the, the lamp for my feet, the light for my path verse, it escapes me. You know the one, I'm sure. Our feet are secure on the path of life because of the Lord. And then he goes on to elaborate more of this idea. What does it mean to not let your foot slip? And he says, God doesn't sleep or slumber. Slumber is, is kind of that drowsiness between I'm half asleep, I'm waking up, I'm not quite sure. And when you're tired, as I'm sure you know, you're more likely to make bad decisions, bad errors of judgment. You might not be aware of what's going on. I remember dating Natasha, and we started late one night, really late, and it was about two or three in the morning when I finally went to bed. I was 19, I was working in IT at the time, and so that morning I woke up with a few hours sleep, and I thought, as all 19-year-olds do, really mature, grown-up thought, for breakfast I'll have two cans of Red Bull and a donut. Tyson's nodding his head, yep. And I drove to the deli, hopped out, I got that, and I drank them real quick in the car on the way to work, and... For five minutes, I felt a million dollars. I was alert, I was awake. This is great, why don't I do this every day? And I got to work, and it hit me. This fake sense of being awake, the tiredness was still there, the sugar and the donut, the empty stomach, I just felt ridiculously groggy and horrible. And all day, it was like an uphill battle, and it was just disgusting and horrible. Maybe that's been you before. My point is that God isn't like that for you and me. God does not wake up one morning and think, oh gee, I better have my Red Bull so I can be aware of what's going on in your life. And uh, maybe God's feeling a bit groggy today, so he's not really on the ball. And that's why 2020 has been as it was, because after 2020 years, perhaps God's just had enough and he just needs a bit of a break. That's not how God watches us. Our God's not dependent on coffee, red bulls to stay awake. The the dangerous mountainside, even when we sleep, even when we traverse that in life, he is watching. And the next danger the Lord watches over us for is the blistering sun in verse 5 and 6. The Lord's your shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. And living in Adelaide, I'm sure we can all relate well to a 46 degree summer day and how hot it can be 
And if you've ever worked outside in those conditions, it gets a little bit sweaty and uncomfortable. Running across the sand or even just getting the mail out your driveway makes you realize that it's a hot, hot day. And the image here is clear. The Lord is to us like a shade, an air conditioner in the summer sun. And the reference to the moon is is probably just about the change in weather conditions in the wilderness, in the desert, the, the change from hot to cold and day to night, that sort of thing. And what I think the psalmist is doing, he is declaring that God's watching is not about one extreme to the other, but we find protection in all seasons of life under him. God is a thermostat for our souls, so to speak, protecting us, moderating our lives, and we don't know how to moderate ourselves, see? And as they journey on in life, the Lord's watching their feet, their steps, even as they sleep. And as the oppressive weather and circumstances surround them, God is like a shade, a branch of a tree, ready to protect in all seasons at all times. Look at verse 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He'll watch over your coming and your going forevermore. The Lord will watch over you. Interesting that there's a repetition here in verse 7 and 8. The Lord will watch over you. The Lord will watch over you. Well, why is that? Well, it's, it's not, is it not the case that with every, every new trial in life, every mountain that you see, every new road you journey on, you find a different challenge? And the moment you find that challenge, is not the case that your trust in God, the protection that God offers us, the promise of God to be with his people, does that not become a little bit shaky and uncertain? uncertain? That in the present trial, it seems insurmountable to us, and so we keep on, verse 1, in, stuck on repeat in, in our playlist. Where does my help come from? 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 And we never move on to track two. John Calvin picked up this many years ago in his commentary on this psalm, and he said, even when we seem to have largely experienced what this protection of God implies, we yet instantly tremble at the noise of a leaf falling from a tree as if God has quite forgotten us. We instantly tremble at the noise of a tree as if God has quite forgotten us. He's not downplaying your trials. If you read the life of Calvin, you'll see he lived a very intense life, suffering a number of things. He's just highlighting how God's past faithfulness to us is not the default that we're reminded of in a new trial. God got me through this 10 years ago, but right now today, I'm not really sure. Which means, bring it back, the repeated phrase isn't for God's sake, like we need to chant to God 700 times so he hears us, it's for your sake and my sake. The Lord will watch over your life. Yes, the Lord will watch over my life, my coming and my going, now and forevermore. An interesting part of this psalm is it could make God to sound like his protection is all about success and wealth. His protection is about prosperity and and having an abundant life, so to speak, of material things. And, And so what do we do with that? It does give that impression when you read it, doesn't it? Well, the first thing to say is, given verse 1 and 2, what we've seen, this is not a help to make us successful in business or our investments or to improve our reputation even. The goal of Psalm 121 is not that at all. The Song of Ascents are there for people on the road of life, assuring them the maker of heaven and earth is on their side every step of the way. In the Harry Potter world of J.K. Rowling, there's lots of wonderful bits and pieces, but one of the most great things, I think, is flu powder. Have you ever heard of flu powder before? 
you stand in a fireplace and throw the green powder over your head and tell you where you want to go. London! Maybe not there today, but somewhere that doesn't have COVID. And you say it, and you go instantly to that particular destination. It, just like that. Instant travel. How wonderful. But you see, conversion and faith isn't like a flu powder. God doesn't pluck you off the road of life. I trust Jesus. Poof! You're gone. Or you're suddenly prosperous. Or you're wealthy. It doesn't work like that. It just changes how you travel. Have a look at what Paul said in Timothy, Second Timothy 3, verse 10 to 11. He says to Timothy, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. You read about Paul's life and his suffering and persecution. It was violence. It was repeated, so reputational damage, fear, hunger, explosion, exhaustion, 39 lashes on his back three times, traveling hundreds of kilometers because someone wanted to kill him for preaching the gospel over and over again. In those particular towns, it was an intense period of his life. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them, he could say. This is a rescue that means he's still here, still enduring the road of life for the sake of the gospel to keep on proclaiming Jesus and living for Jesus. You think about 39 lashes and you think he gets whipped and he goes on, his back could be like jelly for days. He couldn't sleep on his back for months, potentially. Not the same Medicare or healthcare that we had today. It would be a very painful thing. Yet Paul says, aching, blistering feet, walking, day after day, the Lord has rescued me. The Lord has rescued me. Because the perspective on the road to life that Jesus brings is the clarity and certainty the best is yet to come. That in all the ups and downs, even the changes, the Lord is with us and will bring us home safely to himself with a clear end goal, a clear purpose, because of the grace of God, you see. It's a way of life that trusts Jesus every step of the way, knowing suffering isn't the end, because Jesus has already suffered for me. Suffering in the Christian life isn't to be avoided, nor is it to be exonerated as some, some sign. It's just a refining way of God's grace to be at work along the road of life. Because the hope is that even when it's uncomfortable, God's interested, God hasn't left. He's holding us up, he's watching us, he's making sure that no harm can befall us that would knock us out of his hands because the end is certain. The same Paul that wrote this once said, to live is Christ and die is gain. And when God is ready, he'll safely bring us home, turning off the car engine, assuring us that we've made it to where the destination was always supposed to be, and he'll get us there. And maybe you're thinking at this point, gee, that sounds like a good way to live. I would like that confidence in the road of life too. Well, I don't know about you, if you will make a New Year's resolution, but can I give you an idea to answer that question? Why not resolve to make Jesus your help in 2021? Why not ask Jesus today to forgive you and, and rescue you, set you on the path of life, the road that he offers you to travel? Why not do that? Because the reason we have confidence, the same confidence of Psalm 121, is because we look up to another mountain in life. 
This is an ugly, cruel mountain. It's known as Skull Hill. Have you ever heard of it? Golgotha, even. It's the place where Jesus was crucified and died. That mountain is where I help come from. But like the psalmist, we too don't stop looking at that one mountain. We cast our gaze further beyond the mountain of the cross, through the valley of the tomb, to another mountain where Jesus once stood on the other side of death. He called his disciples to himself. In Matthew 28, we saw it in that passage, did we not? Jesus said, go to the mountain, which I've told you to go to when they do. And he says to them at the end, surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's just another way of saying Psalm 121 verse 8, isn't it? The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. But we look even higher still, don't we? To the time when Jesus will return to rule and reign over his creation and restore all things. And at that point, we've arrived. So, why not resolve to surrender over your life and the year that will be to the watchful gaze of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, Why not resolve to live that way in 2021, reminding yourself, like the author does in verse 2, my help comes from the Lord. And the question is, what does it look like for you? I mean, it might be quite modest. You might say, I'm going to finish reading the Bible in a year after I started three years ago. It might be, I'm going to commit to praying with my wife every night before bed. It may be hearing the claim of Jesus to change the direction in life for the very first time and responding in repentance and faith to him. Maybe it's something you've been thinking about for a while. A step of faith. I will talk to Bruce at the office this year about Jesus. Maybe it's hearing the call of Jesus to make those disciples. Maybe it's more ambitious. Maybe for some of you, for some time, you felt the niggling of the Holy Spirit gnawing at the back of your head and heart to go to Bible college, to explore cross-cultural mission, to, to change your career, to change your workplace your hours, your lifestyle, simply because you know that there is another way of living that doesn't doesn't depend on your bank account looking healthy, but actually glorifying God. And maybe you need to give up that desire in order to do that for Him. But as you do that, as you think through that this year, more than anything else, would you trust the words from someone who has walked the path of life before you, that you would say, my help comes from the Lord, So over coffee, why not share with someone how you're going to go closer to Jesus in 2021? What is it for you? And then commit to praying for them this week. Say, Peter, I really am going to start doing this more for 2021. And then Peter will say, really, I'll pray for you. And do the same. But not just to Peter, to anyone you speak to. Why not do that as we go into 2021? I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing How Marvelous. Our great God, we thank you that you have given us and set us upon the path of life that's only found in Jesus Christ alone. You are the way, the truth, the life, Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through you. And you offer us open arms into your kingdom and presence forever. And that changes how we travel. You don't pluck us off the road of life. You assure us, I am with you. I will never leave or forsake you. And Father God, in all the change of this year and all the uncertainty that you and that, that I face, not you, Lord, but that we face as your people, all that uncertainty, Lord, ground us in your gospel. Ground us in your word and prayer. Not because we have to, Lord, we want to. 
We want to grow closer to you, our God and Father, and that we know one day you'll turn off, you turn off the car of our life and you'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh Lord, we long for that day. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks, Ben.